Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Mechanics. I'm Katie, and with me, as always, is... Hey, everybody, what's going on? It is Jason. Oh, man, we've got so much to talk about. So much is happening around here. Just our kids are out of school, so, again, everything's a hot mess, but that's the usual. Um, I'm, like, in this waiting period to start a new job with um, the United States Air Force. Uh, so that's, like, crazy town. Something I never thought I'd do. And then we, uh, here in the U.S., I don't think it's international. In the U.S., we had Memorial Day weekend, so we had a long weekend, and we gamed. We did. It was glorious. Yeah, so that is kind of where we're going to be heading with with this episode. But I also have news up at the top, because stuff is happening in the board game world. Actually, there's stuff happening in the board game world that I don't even want to talk about. Because it's like nonsense. And if you've listened to us long enough, you know, we don't, I don't, we don't deal with nonsense. I do not suffer fools lightly. So I'm not going to talk about like people going off saying crazy things. I, I no. my general, I will go back to my general statement in that we are not paid. Um, we don't have a Patreon. We do not, uh, charge any companies for reviews oftentimes we review the games that we have or that our friends lend us um because i just feel like it's the most ethically um like clear way to do a review and to do a channel we do get some free games but that's the extent of it right now i was gonna say i mean i guess you say we get the games for free so they in essence paid us um but I I feel free to say that a game's bad, and if they want to take it back, they're welcome to do that. Like, I feel like if you can't stand a little constructive criticism, then you're in the wrong business. Go get yourself a participation trophy from your mom. Yeah. Not what I'm here for. Not to mention any names, but uh, there is an eagle and possibly some other kind of bird involved. Stop it. You're going to get us in trouble. <laughs> We're going to get building, again. <laughs> We're building relationships. But also, we want to do it in a very, like, open, upfront, um, transparent way so that there can never be uh, even an appearance of us doing something wrong. So, um, I'm just going to throw that out. I think there's lots of things that happen in the board game industry that are really upsetting to me. Um, from the way reviewers are, from the way people are about making money, both, you know, companies and reviewers, and then the way that there's like this mob torch and pitchfork mentality amongst a lot of general board game communities, um, a lot of bandwagon nonsense, uh, a lot of FOMO nonsense that I'm over it. I'm over it. So I'm all, just want to get my soapbox out early. And I'm going to put away and talk about some uh, news. So the first game is actually on GameFound. That's right. There is another site out there, or more, where you can find games that are looking to be funded. And this game is El Boro. I can't roll my R's. El Boro. 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 Thank you. Boro. 
<laughs> I can't do it. It's like physically impossible. But this is a Lagranha game. Now, this is a standalone game, but from the designers of Lagranha. And it has some similar mechanics from what I've told. I have not played Lagranha. I believe we own it, right? Yeah, we have the first edition, not the new shiny second edition. No surprise. Yeah, that's a real shock right there. Um, <laughs> I haven't played it anyway, uh, but it does have this multi-use cards. It has this dive drastic dice drafting mechanic so you've got four game rounds you have a farm in majorca and you are trying to get your goods to the port so you're you're working on your farm expanding it you're harvesting goods you're breeding um like you've got i don't know you breed the traditional oh you're you're breeding um pigs we were, which is interesting because I've actually heard of these, these pork negre, um, because we were watching uh, Turn of Champions, which if you like cooking shows, that is the best one in a long time, um, cooking competition. And they were talking about this particular kind of like black pork or like um, prosciutto or something. And it was, it came from these pigs that are traditionally grown here. And the game is building on that because you are breeding your pigs. And then you're going to deliver your farm goods, I think, including your pigs, uh, to these different delivery places. There's some market stalls. You actually are can help each other. It's not cooperative, but if you help someone fulfill like a task, they can help you because it's mutually beneficial. You've got donkeys and goats to make deliveries. Um, having raised goats briefly at, at a time in my life, I would never use them. I would choose the burros. Um but you're trying to like get prestige, get your income um, by doing these deliveries. So there's some dice drafting. There's card play. Um, there's lots of cool little um, wooden meeples, which you know I love. Not just, you know, like wooden meeples, but also some like little wooden boros. And uh, I don't know, there's some hats or something. The wooden pieces are really interesting. <laughs> I have to tell you, it looks cool. It looks like a, a definite kind of game that Jason and I would play. It's not super flashy, but it is. It looks like it has a lot of great mechanics to it. So, if you like Lagranha, or if you like um, kind of this, you know, dice drafting, card play, the delivering, if you think it's cool, oh, I want to make these like. These little pigs. Then you need to check out El Boro, a La Granja game. Uh, there's only seven days left on that project um, on GameFound, and the base price is $85 ish when converted from euros. Yeah, so that price is crazy, so we won't talk about that. But everything you talked about this game, it sounds exactly like La Granja. Like, I, I need to check it out to see what makes it different because everything that you said sounds just like how Lagranha plays so i wonder like and you said it's heavier than that too or like that's more what they're saying to me is yeah. it's heavier it builds up on Lagranha's mechanics but it's more complex and offers higher flexibility and positive player interaction Weird. are yeah. some of the things i am reading there's also a solo version i do like positive player interaction that that makes games a little more interesting yeah, because they're saying the multi-purpose cards and dice drafting are like the Granha. Um, they don't go like, hey, here's what's different necessarily. Even Just the board that, looks like the Granha. 
You're saying it's slightly more complex. So hmm. there's like a, a normal deck and a special, there's a normal farm deck and a special farm deck, and then each person has their own deck of donkey cards. Okay, that's a little different. Yeah, I, I can see some of the similarities, but looking at the board, I can also see some differences. Like there's boats, there's no boats in the Grand Yeah, because you got to get to the port. Yeah, cool. So yeah, that's El Boro. Uh, the next one to talk about is back on Kickstarter, and I'm actually not going to talk about it, but Jason is because he covered a prototype of this game, and that is Flight of Icarus. All right, so Flight of Icarus is from Peter Schultz at Cobblestone Games. He's done The Axe, Quartermain, Builders of Blankenburg, and this is the newest game, and it is basically a game that takes place over two phases. I'll let Katie talk about the the mythology around Theme. it. There's some characters with some stuff. But in this game, what you're doing is you are basically you're preparing for a flight across. What is it? Um, you're going from <laughs> Crete to the Greek mainland. Yes, you're flying across the body of water, and you're you're taking on the role of Icarus, and you're making wings out of feathers and wax, and all that kind of thing, trying not to fly too close to the sun. The whole story. And the way that you're doing that is the first half of the game, you are preparing for the flight. So you're going to be collecting wax. You're going to be collecting feathers. You're going to be collecting stamina, maybe playing some special cards down. And this is going to happen over four rounds. You get two turns each round. So you're going to do eight preparation phases. Then the second half of the game is the flight. Everybody starts at wherever they're taking off from Crete. And (laughs) um, on the beginning of that, you're going to do an auction and you're going to bid for the right to play a weather card, which is going to affect the weather pattern for the turn. And so this is kind of like a take that game where you're trying to be the last player in the sky. You're trying to be the only one that makes it across. If everybody doesn't make it across, whoever makes it the farthest is the winner. So you're trying to fly. You want to stay in the middle row because that's where it's safe. You're not going to collect water and mess up your your feathers and you don't want to go too high and get close to the sun because that'll melt your wax so you're trying to stay in the middle row but you can't land where somewhere else is it wastes stamina if you lose all your stamina you'll fall out of the sky if you lose too many feathers or too much wax you'll fall out of the sky so you're trying to balance all that with the weather cards and it just becomes a chaotic um a chaotic crazy race at the end there but it's an interesting game it does some different stuff that i haven't seen in a game like the way that the the flying works is pretty interesting it's not necessarily for me, but it is an interesting idea for sure. So that's how Flight of Icarus works. Yeah, I. this is a really cool theme that you don't see very often. Like this is based on the Greek myth of Daedalus and Icarus. So Daedalus, this famous inventor who was imprisoned in the maze, the labyrinth um, by King Minos on Crete. And so he and his son were there in order to escape they crafted these wings um, that were made of, you know, feathers and wax. And when wax gets hot, when you go too close to the sun, it melts, which that's what happened to Icarus because he was like fooling around. This is like like the tra- like the classic like tale that people tell children, like, you know, you know, don't get too close to fire, you'll burn, you know. And then he like fell, his wings fell apart and he drowned in the the Mediterranean Sea. But I you don't have those that often, which is what I think is cool and I like that it really plays on that story, that myth um in a cool way, which I there aren't many games about Greek mythology in my opinion and I'm a big fan. 
It almost feels like um, Peter finds a theme that he likes and then makes mm-hmm. a game around it. Like mm-hmm. Alan Quartermain, he liked that theme, figured out how to make a deck builder around it. The Axe, so, you know, the Axe of the Apostles, he figured out how to make a game around that. Now he's got Icarus, which is a cool game about flying and all that stuff. So seems like he's kind of theme first and then builds a game around it, which is pretty cool. Like you care. That's what I like. I don't care, but people do care. I'm trying to be like ob- objective here. What? Look at you. All right. So if you're interested, if you like Greek mythology, if you like kind of that two phase, a little bit of take that, but also preparation, um, you know, you like the myth of Daedalus and Icarus, check out Flight of Icarus on Kickstarter. There, uh, at the time of this podcast dropping, there will be five days left on that campaign, and it's 39 bucks. Not a bad price. His games have pretty cool components and nice quality, yeah. too. So, yeah. Yeah, that's actually pretty reasonable. And that's all I have for news today because we have a lot to talk about in our main feature. So as I mentioned earlier, we spent Memorial Day playing games. And it's not just playing games with anyone. We made the trek uh, up not quite to the Great White North. One of these days, we'll get up there, Mel. Um, but I mean, northern- maybe not that far. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we'll try it. Um, up to northern Indiana to our friends at the Board Game Rundown, which uh, we have mentioned them a time or two on this podcast. And many of them are listeners to our show. Uh, it was our friend Tim's birthday celebration, and we just crammed in gameplay whenever we could. So we thought we played a lot of, I mean, we played a lot of games we played before, but we actually tried a lot of new games um, that that are new to, like, separately. Um, we played a couple together, but we really uh, checked out some games. So we thought maybe you guys would like to hear about some of the games that we got into. So Jason is going to start us off with a game that I tried to get as far away from as possible. <laughs> so uh, before I get into this, of all the games we're talking about, there's only three that we've played before. Mm-hmm. And this first one is kind of like it's adjacent. So we'll say three and a half because <laughs> this one's kind of right. adjacent. So the first game I wanted to talk about is... One that I've been wanting to play for a long time because I'm a huge Martin Wallace fan. And this is now the number one rated game on Board Game Geek. And this is Brass Birmingham. And this was already set up when we got to our friend Mike's house. That's where the party was. That's where we started the whole weekend. And I played with Dan from the Board Game Rundown, Mike from the Board Game Rundown, and Tim's brother-in-law, Pat. We won't use last names, but I know I'm allowed to say all their names on First name, because I've done it before, and they said it's okay. And (laughs) in this game, effectively, it's regular brass. So the regular version of brass now is Brass Lancashire, but this one changes it up just a bit. It takes away some ports, it takes away um, some ships, and it adds a pottery, some pottery factories, uh, beer production, and it also adds um, merchant goods or something, some really generic term. That you're trying to sell. Now, where this one differs from Lancashire, I think in a negative way, is the beer. And in regular brass, you can just sell by taking an action. If you're connected to a port, you can flip tiles, sell, it up your income, you get points. In this one, you have to be connected to beer production or have your own beer brewery that's on the board somewhere. Because you have to basically bribe to set up these, like... 
relationships, you know, you're meeting with people and you're having these relationships over beer to be able to sell any of your goods. So if there's no beer on the map, you're not going to be able to sell your goods. The game's already hard to sell. It's already to do what you need to do. So this is adding beer to make it even tougher to do an action that I should just be able to do. Other than that, same basic gameplay. Um, I'd rather play Lancashire. I'm not a huge fan of this one. I have no desire to ever play this one again. But I am glad that I got to play it to see what it was about. And, you know, I never need to do that again. So Brass Birmingham was one that I played. It was a game. And, uh, yeah, we can move on. (laughs) Wow. That's how I feel about regular brass. Um, it's so difficult to do things I should just be able to do. Regular brass is so much better than this. I'm probably in the minority, but that's how I feel. (sighs) Okay. That's fine. Um, I think while Jason was playing this, I played, I think two games while Jason was playing Brass Birmingham, at least two. Yeah. It's a little long. It was a little long. Um, (laughs) I played a card game called Glory to Rome. I had never heard of this before in my life, which will surprise probably none of you. Because, uh, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know games. <laughs> Even though I'm on a game podcast. I've never heard of Glory to Rome. I always got confused with that other one, Foundations of Rome, which I was like, wait, isn't this like a big uh, yeah. crazy game? Nobody wants and to play I, that. And then I was like, no, it's not. Julia's like, it's a card game. I'm like, okay. So I played this with some people who was <laughs> trying to think who was there. I think we played a four player, five player. It was myself, Tim, Tim's sister, Julia. Did I Bob think, play it? No, I think a guy named Dane and a guy named David. Oh, okay. Yeah, I have no idea who was over there. I, I think that's who played it. Uh, but this is kind of one of those games where it's, it's like a follow mechanic. So you've got these cards and the cards have multi-uses and i'm talking like every side has a use and the center as well so you are trying to build structures in rome i guess is the theme uh so you can use your cards for the um actually name of the card so there are cards that will allow you to build cards there are cards that will allow you to get resources from different areas cards that will allow you to move resources around to your to help do your buildings um you know they each have a kind of action they also then have resources at the bottom they can be used as resources they can also be used as points um and then they have they can be used as influence i think is the term um to allow you to hold cards and hold clients and and cards in your vault and clients are cards that you are drafting so that you have like kind of stacked actions waiting and then vault cards are cards that could be used in any of those other ways but instead you are going to use them for the points that you have um it was cool. So like someone would say, okay, I'm going to take the architect action. They play the architect card. And then we, you go around the table and you have to play an architect, architect card or a wild card if you're going to follow. And then you take the actions in turn order. There's a central pool um, where the cards go after they've been played by each person. So they then become available to be used as like resources or clients or things like that. Um, the one thing I, I which I thought was fun, I like... It's, it was fairly easy once you kind of got the little quirks of how things ran. Um, 
and I, I really like card games a lot because I think they're very accessible to people. The thing I didn't like about this was that there are a couple like instant win cards. Well, okay, they're not instant win cards. They're cards that you like build these buildings and then if you meet these requirements, one is you build a building and you instant win. A couple others are you build the building and then you have to meet the requirements to win, which is fine, but I, like I knew people were building them but I didn't know like what they needed necessarily to complete it. So I felt like I couldn't really effectively stop them. And then also then I felt I became more of a race. And y'all know how I feel about that. I, I want us to be able to play our game, you know, do our buildings and stuff. And then at the end we see who did the best job. Everybody to add up their points. Um, so maybe if I own this game, I would take those cards out, but um, Jason tells me it's crazy expensive, so I guess I never will own this game. But uh, it's good. I would definitely play it again, um, but I don't think I need to own it. Yeah, this this game's interesting because it's like everybody loves this game, and it's so hard to find. And I thought it was like this big, beefy like card game, but you're making it sound like it's just a pretty simple little card game. I, I think the way it seems like it's a big, beefy card game is because they do you five can different do- things. You yes, you can do so many things, um, so I I think that's why. And yeah, like my other thing is, I think it could be because it could be complex if you use the cards and you're like trying to work out this really great system. It can be done really well, but then my problem is that you've got these instant win cards that kind of stop that from happening. So it's like, oh, I did all this stuff. And I felt like I effectively used my cards and my sources and stuff, but I don't even get to add up my points. Yeah, that that's terrible. So that's what I didn't love. I would probably get rid of that. Yeah. That's Otherwise, fair. yeah, it is. It is a. It's fun. Um, <laughs> I really thought this game was something else. Like I knew nothing about it other than it's expensive. So I never. I didn't. I didn't even know it. that about it. Again, I thought it was Foundations of Rome. So what did I know? <laughs> Yeah, you were way off. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> yeah, I would like to try to play this at least once, or at least some other game from this designer, like Innovation or something. Similar type of deal, I think, but they're actually easy to get. Mm. All right, so the next game that I played that Katie was sitting next to, but uh, we didn't have enough people, too many people, I guess, and it is Thunder Road Vendetta. And this is the new Restorations game version of a game from, I think, the 80s called Thunder Road. And this is effectively a roll-and-move race game. Uh, you're going to take on the role of a different car, color of car. There's also, in the version they had, they had a big rig and some motorcycles. But most of the people are a large, medium, and small car. And you're going to be rolling dice. You're going to assign these dice to the cars. That's how many they're going to move. You also have a little dashboard that's going to give you a special ability that will fire off with one of the dice as well. And you're just trying to race to make it to the end, the finish line first. Now, that sounds easy enough, but on the road, there's hazards you can run over, which can damage your car. There are pitfall, uh, like forbidden areas that you can't go into. If you fall into them, your car blows up. There's helicopters that can get put out on the board that can shoot you and give you damage and blow you up. You can jump off of a ramp into a helicopter that can blow your car up, which may have happened two turns in a row. Um, it's chaos. It's really lucky. 
it's it's fun, but it's definitely not a game that I don't that I need to play again. I'm glad that I got to play it. I always wanted to play the older one, but just didn't get to. So I'm glad I got to try this one. It was fun. It was chaotic, and I had a good time. But yeah, I, I think I'm done with it. So Thunder Road Vendetta, solid game, just probably also not for me. So yeah, I, so I watched it because. Um, I was talking about all the different themes that I don't like. Um, number one, obviously being space. Number two, uh, dystopian society, which this one kind of is. And then number three, uh, cars. So this was two out of three. And I was like, you know what? Uh, I don't need to press in here to play this because uh, Tim and Bob were real excited to play it. So I'm like, I, I, when it comes to game gaming, I'm just happy to be there. Like, I'm happy to sit next to you, you know, turn some cards, uh, hand people dice. Like, I don't need to be involved um, to, to enjoy it. So I, I watched this and yeah, um, it was, it was chaotic. Um, it, like I don't think it's not in a bad way it's just like if you're expecting to you know really game some strategy here it's no. not gonna happen no this is a roll dice and see what happens kind of game <laughs> yeah and that's cool that's okay that's okay um yeah I don't mind that I think just for what I was expecting it might have gone on a little long oh I didn't know anything about it um I guess I'd heard the name maybe I mean again I realize this is super low. A surprise to everyone. I, I yeah, it looked fine. Looked fine. And if you just want like, oh, I like cars or a nostalgia factor. Like I played this when I was a kid. Um, or like, like let's play like kind of a crazy game where we can still talk and do stuff. But it's like you know we're playing with micro machines. Cool. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. That would be this game for sure. Yeah, it's definitely, like, I wasn't expecting a deep strategy game, and that's fine. I don't need to play that. I like random dice chucking, but I I don't know. I maybe would have liked a little bit deeper with some more meaningful decisions, I guess. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, yeah, but it was fine. And if somebody wanted to play it and, like, they needed a fifth player, I'd jump in and play it. I, I don't hate it. It's just not something I'm going to need to want ask to play going forward, I guess. Yes, agreed. Okay, so while we were um, gaming this weekend, we also got to stop by the Board Game Rundown studio because they're shills and get paid money. Um, <laughs> so it was super fancy. <laughs> and we actually got to do a couple reviews, which I am regretting that decision the longer it takes for that video to come out because I know I'm going to look like an idiot. But I played... Um, we just did like a review discussion of it after we played the game. And that game was called Illiterati. So Illiterati is like a word game. Uh, it's cooperative. And you have, everyone gets like seven tiles each round to start. You start with, well, you start with seven tiles the first, first round. Uh, and then you get like this book. It's a card that has a book on it that gives you your goal how, uh, that you need to, what you need to achieve with these letter tiles to bind your book. And it'll be, um, they'll tell you like how many letters you need to have in words in front of you. It'll tell you what kind of symbols maybe need, how many of a certain symbol or what kind of symbol you need to have on those letters. Cause the letters have all different kinds of little symbols like rain clouds and 
sons and crap. Uh, and then it'll give like a category. So my first category was colors. Um, someone had brand names uh, and retail or something. Uh, someone else had like movies and shows. So normally you can't in, in like a Scrabble type way, you can't use acronyms or proper nouns, but with alliterati, you can break that rule if it is relating to your category. So it's time, you have three minutes in to, per round to take your letters to try to get your goal. So like I had to get, have eight plus letters in words that were colors or color related um, with like three clouds or something on them. Meanwhile, everyone else is doing the same thing, but then also like sometimes your letters don't work or you've got extra letters. So you have kind of this middle pool or library where the extras go and then you can only have so many left in there by the time the time's up. So sometimes you just make words and assign them and even if they don't match what you're working on, you have to do it anyway. But that means you can't bind your book which doesn't often happen. Then there's like these cards that attack you, these alliterati members that, you know, they don't want people to read or something. Uh, so they make you like get rid of discard letters or break up words. And then you kind of do another round again as you are trying to everyone buying the book they have. Um, you move on to the second level books, buying those books. And then you have final chapter that you all work on together. Um for some reason, even though I am an English teacher, I don't like word games. Um, because most of the time, word games are really spent on maximizing the points that you can get, like in Scrabble, for instance. Um, like how can, even if it's three letter word, how can I land on that triple word score? I, I don't like that. I want to use all my letters to make really cool, creative words, the best words. Um, so this game actually helped allow me to do that because I had a category. I'm like, okay, what can I make the letters that we've got out here? What's like the best word? Because generally you do, um, like I think my second book required me to have like 12 letters or something, 12 or 13. So I can make big words. And I was like, this is awesome. And they had to fit a category. Um, but I just had to do it in a time limit. So I did like that about it. Um, I think I rated it and they were like, oh, do you want to do your wrench rating? And I'm like, I don't know what the rating system is for wrenches. Um, it's, so I wasn't one, very... it's, it's one out of 10, but I basically divided it in half. So if it gets a seven, it gets a 3.5. So I think I, I gave this like a seven and a half and a 10 point scale because it's fun and I would play it again. Um, but yeah, like someone can kind of take over sometimes and I don't always like everyone has to be like speedy on words and that kind of thing. And if they're not, then I feel like they kind of get left out and I don't like that in a game. Um, but the artwork's really cool. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I played again. I don't need to own it, but I would play it again. So that I played literati and did a review of it. That should be forthcoming on the board game rundown channel. Yeah. I need to watch that. Cause I know nothing about this. Even you explaining it. I still have no idea what's going on. I know Bob was super into it. He seemed to really enjoy it, um, but words. I'm not super into word games either. There's a couple that I like, but yeah, it's just once once that game they were recording that game, I was like, yeah, I'll go do something else. I'll go watch some paint dry or something. Um, yeah. To be fair, after I um, 
for after explained to me the first round, I still didn't know what's going on. So, got it. Yeah, sometimes, yeah, sometimes the games get in their way with <laughs> how they work. All right, so a game that we have talked about before, we actually took this with us because um, one of the guys in the board game rundown is a big Knizia fan and wanted to play this, and that game is Witchstone. So we played a four. I played a four game, four player game of Witchstone. Uh, didn't win, but I think Dan won. Um, but the guy who wanted to play it really liked it and said he was going to go pick it up. Uh, Witchstone is a pretty simple game, actually. You're just taking. You have these these tiles that have two different icons on the on each side of them. That so, and you're going to place them in your cauldron. This little player board that you have. If you can connect the icons on the side of your tile with other icons that are already in your cauldron, it's going to make that action worth more action points. So if I already have three witches connected in my cauldron and I place another witch down, now I have a four action points of witch actions that I can take of the, and there's six different actions you can do. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to move these witches around in this like globe to make energy connections and move from place to place to score points. You're trying to move around this pentagram to collect tiles. You're moving on this uh, wand track. There's lots of tracks, which I appreciate. This wand track to get extra actions and ways to score points. You're collecting these scroll cards that are going to give you extra actions and in-game goals. Um, what else? You're doing the energy connections. To, it's kind of like Ticket to Ride. You're forming like paths between cities so your witch can travel. And you're just and you're, there's also these gems that are in your cauldron for some reason. You're trying to move them around to get them to the outside because they're going to give you some bonuses as well. And over the course of the game, you're only going to be taking 11 turns. So as you're playing, you're getting these combos built up in your cauldron. So every time you place a tile, in theory, if you're playing it correctly, all these combos are going to fire off. And you're going to have so many action points of each of these actions to do with what you need. It's going to throw points at you. It's going to let you do basically anything you want to do. And it just feels good. You're only taking 11 turns, so you want those turns to count. Um, it's a really fun game. I really like it. Uh, there's an expansion that I really want to get because it's going to add more goodies. So maybe at some point, but that's Witchstone. Everybody seemed to dig it and I'm glad because when I bring a game, I want people to like it. Yeah, it's really good. And I always feel like, uh, it's again, plays into the thing that I love where there's multiple paths to victory. Like you could do like the pentagram track or you can do the wand track or you can go in with cards or you can just like make connections all over the place um mike I think was that's crushing what, it on the pentagram track yeah he's like oh i want to get this so i can <laughs> i can try like the wand track next time he's like i want to try different strategies which i think is really cool it's like how does it come out what does it work with um what comes out to go into my cauldron and that i think that just makes it such a good game um I think while you're playing Witchstone. Correct. Yes. Yes. I uh, joined a game of Raw, which I had heard um, the board game rundown guys talk about a lot. And to be fair, I keep getting confused with Ankh because they're both, I believe, Egyptian themed games. But from what I can understand, very different. Oh, yeah. This is a Knizia game. It's way different than Ankh. <laughs> So I didn't know, again, you say Knitsy game, like I should know what those are. I don't. Well, it's abstract. There's going to be probably some bidding and funky scoring. That's how, that's a Knitsy game. Okay. Um, sure. So I was like, yeah, I'll play it, whatever. So it turns out it's a tile drawing game. <laughs> I love that. Like all our listeners are probably like, 
duh, you moron. What is this bimbo doing on this show? <laughs> yeah, Ross been around since like early 2000s, I think. <laughs> really? Okay, I'm pretty cool. sure. Yeah. Um, didn't know anything about it. <laughs> so it's a tile drawing game. Um, you have like a little, which is actually helpful, a little like board, player board, that you put tiles on either the left side or the right side. The left side tiles are tiles that stay with you throughout the game. The right side tiles are scored each round and then discarded. So you're trying to draw out tiles to get combos. Um, and then once, but tiles come out and they go on this board and then you start to auction for them because on everyone's player board, bleh, they have these three, it looks like little thought or like speech bubbles <laughs> um, with numbers in it. And those are the numbers that you use to bid with. So as you bid, like you, at any time you can start a bidding um, for the tiles that are out. Um, or sometimes bids are forced when a raw tile comes out. So you're using the numbers that you have in front of you to bid. Once you have won a bid, you return that number to the center board and you take the number that is out there and it gets turned over and that's what is going to be with you the next round. Like you are kind of in, at some points pushing your luck because once this the little tra time tracker moves the end based on all the different based on whenever Rotow comes out, um, you may not get to use all of your numbers to bid. Uh, and so that means that you're getting less tiles. And so some tiles are going to be multipliers. If you don't get certain tiles, you get negative points. I, I lost terribly at this. Like, I don't know what I was doing. Um, it, the, version that tim i think it's tim had is like super deluxe like really chunky tiles this big a like raw figure that signifies um where the auction's at that thing uh, which was is, stupid that was stupid it was fine i love those things you know i played with them i made like the raw guy sit on top of all the coins like he was like on the mountain of gold uh it was fun again also why i was not doing well um, and losing but I I would like to play this again because now I'm like oh I kind of get it but it's also in some ways I'm not very good at auction games because I just get outbid a lot and stuff just doesn't work out like it just is not in my favor uh, I'm just not good at them for some reason which is fine but it was still fun um and enjoyable. I wasn't as into it as Tim was. Bless his heart. Tim loves he, this game. I he know. He it. does. He wanted to chant rah every time. I'm like, okay. And I think he was trying to get everybody else into it. And I was like, uh, hard pass. Um, but he was so into it. <laughs> and um, I did have a good time. I would play it again. Um, now that I kind of understand it, I feel like maybe I wouldn't suck quite so bad at it. But We'll see. It was it was good. I'm, I'm glad I got to play it. Now I actually know what it is and realize that it's not the same or at all like Ankh, which is what I was thinking of when he asked me to play it. Of the ones you played, this is the one that I really wanted to play. Like, I, it looks fun. You um, would like it for yeah, sure. It, it seems like a game that I would like for sure. Just yes. watching what you when we were done, I came over and looked a little bit. It looks pretty interesting. So those are really all the games that we played the first. Well, at Mike's house. Then we had to go because we had to put our kids in bed. And dang kids. Tim came over 
and we played this next game. And we both played this. It was me, you, and Tim. We played a couple other games, but we've talked about those recently, so we're going to talk about this. And this one is Tanto Quare, and we played the Winter Romance version. Um, I think we play, I, I wanted to play this because Tim had never played it, and he likes deck builders, and he needed to try a Tanto because a lot of people aren't are turned away from these games because of the art. I don't necessarily love the art either, but the gameplay is really good. So this is a deck builder that's kind of like Dominion, meaning there's stacks of cards that you can acquire throughout the game. And once they run out, that'll trigger the end game. But in this version of Tanto Quare, it introduces butlers. So it's not just what we like to call slutty maids. It's now slutty maids and emo butlers. And equal opportunity. Yeah, that's true. And you can also send uh, cards out for what are they like meetups? Is that what it's called? Yes, meetups. Yeah. So like, well, the way that works is like if you have to buy a meetup space with your your love cards, which is the currency in the game, and then once you have a meetup card in front of you, you can then say, "Hey, I want to do a meetup." And what that's going to do is you'll take the highest maid card or butler card from your hand, and then you're going to ask somebody else. Look in their hand, and you're going to pick their highest butler or maid card. And then you're going to form a couple. Now, if my card is higher than, or vice versa, than the one that is getting met, I have to spend love cards to make up the difference. So the the couple and the meetup can be a success. When that happens, you get points. You flip over the meetup card, it's worth some points. You can also get a chapel that you can put on top of your couple. They get married. They're protected from all that kind of stuff. Gives you a bunch of more points. But other than that, it's the same deal. You're spending your love cards to acquire more maids, putting them in your private chamber, trying to have the most points at the end of the game. But the the addition of butlers and the meetup thing is really interesting, I think, because it kind of gets other people involved when it's not their turn. So they're not just always sitting there waiting for it to be their turn. Um, yeah, I think Tim enjoyed it. He never played Tonto. He seemed like he was having a good time. He likes deck builders. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. So how do you think about Winter Romance this time? Like it still? No. <laughs> you didn't like it? No. I was like, because uh, I felt like it couldn't play out. Like, I, I just felt like there weren't maids to get points with very much in the setup that we chose. I felt like the meetups weren't super helpful. Oh, I was crushing um, it. I was crushing it. I just wanted, like, I think I just wanted regular... Tonto. I think I need to play that again and like really get myself to figure some stuff out because I was like, I, or it was also late and I was tired. That could to be, be fair. Yeah. That also has a <laughs> sometimes has a pretty big effect on how I feel about a game. We did use the pre made or the pre selected cards from the book too, so it shouldn't have been a problem. But I, I yes, yeah. I agree, but I just wasn't. The weird thing, the weird thing was that pre-made uh, selection didn't give us any maids or butlers that let us split the employment where we could hire more right, than one card, right. and that was rough because mm-hmm. so many times we had all this buying power or you know love, and we could only buy, you know, get one card when we could have yeah. gotten two or three. And <laughs> yeah, that was rough. Yeah, um, Tim. Also, we didn't play this that night. I think all these we played. The next day, maybe I don't know. Tonto was I didn't the, realize the we were doing day. these chronologically. So no, that's just how this one worked out. No, that's just how this one worked out. What? That's how Winter Romance worked out. 
Yeah, not all the rest of them are in chronological order. Okay, I was like, this is not how it's organized. That's just how um, I led into it. A game I've been wanting for a long time because of its adorableness and adorableness only uh, is Tea Dragon Society. And Tim agreed to sell his copy to us because it is very light. Um, so I read how to play it over breakfast and uh, I was like, oh my goodness, our daughter will love this um, because it is super easy. It's super adorable. So in, in it is really a deck builder, but a, a super basic. Like I think it's even more basic than summer camp. Oh like, yes, totally. Like this should be your intro. This is a great kids game um, because it's adorable. You know, you have these little baby dragons you're taking care of. And um, so you're turning cards over. Like you don't even have a hand. You have a hold in front of you where on your turn, you either play a card into your hold or you buy a card. That is it. Um, so you can buy cards from the market that are going to go into your deck um, and give you more options for buying, um, for fighting off some of like the negative cards, which are like, oh, your dragon is picky. It doesn't want what you're eating. So you have to discard that and like a feeding card, which is going to give you buy power. Um, so I think that mechanic is really cute. And then there are memories cards that memories is that yeah that's right that actually have um points although there are a few market cards that have points um that are going to be where you get your points and so you're going to save up maybe a little bit more to go into those memories um but it's it's so the artwork is so adorable um i actually would like to get the the second one because i think having that mix of cards would be good and this really is kind of a game where you can um Make it last longer, maybe, than it needs to. Because if you just go and buy all the memories cards and you're done, that's no fun. Um, but it does help to uh, to to get those cards out to to build up your deck to start that. And it's just it was a really I think nice way um, to introduce our youngest to some of that idea, and even our oldest. Um, she doesn't often like to play games with us. And, you know, a lot of times the rules kind of go overhead. So, you know, we tried to help her like start to work through and think about this game. And I, you know, I think it may be something that she can catch on to eventually. And it's just totes adorb. So we did a little foray into tea dragon society. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't love this game. It's, it's a kid's game for sure. But last time I played it was Rory a couple of days ago. All she did was buy, um, the memories cards, the game mm -hmm. was over super fast, and she like had triple my score. Yeah, I was trying to do other stuff because I like actually wanted to play the game, you know. And right. then I looked down, and we're in winter, and the game's over. I'm like, what the? What happened? Yeah, she's a little jerk. <laughs> yeah, I taught her that. <laughs> but yeah, it's a cute game. It's not one that if if I'm I would never play this with just adults, but for kids, it's definitely a good one. So Katie did a video with the board game rundown guides and I also got to do a video with the board game rundown guys and mine was a playthrough with a mini review at the end and we played campy creatures. Uh, Tim really wanted to play it. So we brought it to the studio. Uh, I taught them how to play real quick, a little bit wrong, but that's fine. It still had the heart of the game. And then we did a live playthrough and then at the end we recorded our thoughts uh, we've talked about campy creatures a lot of times. Simultaneous action game where you have these monsters trying to uh, capture these humans to score points. 
had the most points at the end of three rounds. Um, so we did it in the studio, and then uh, when the second day that we were playing games, we played it again with five players just at the house because they wanted to try it again, and it was still good. We used some different characters and had some fun. So Campy Creatures always goes over well. It's super easy to play. It's easy to teach, and it looks really nice. It has great art and nice bits. So I always like playing that game. So Campy Creatures. Yeah, I lost real, real, real bad. Um, but it's still fun. It was really good. I really liked it. Um, it's, it's so like the setup is so easy. Um, and the simultaneous action selection. So it's really easy to get to the table because it's easy to teach, um, and easy to get non-gamers in. So that's why I also enjoy it quite a bit. Um, then we played, uh, Mike brought over a game. He was really excited about it. It's new apparently (laughs) again. it's, It's new hotness. Yep. Again, this is where I I don't know. I'm like, oh, new hotness, interesting. No idea. Um, <laughs> but apparently, heat pedal to the metal is um, a racing game, which I was like, oh dang. And I honestly did not did not want to play it. I didn't want to play it, uh, but I did for the good of everyone else. And you know, it it wasn't terrible. So you're it's uh it's not really a deck builder, but no, it sort of is. You're not really putting cards into your deck outside of the heat. Yeah, it's mostly just like hand management from a deck. Um, but you're playing cards that allow you to move on this track. Uh Mike very thoughtfully dug out some micro machines, so I got to uh go around the track as Princess Peach, which made me very happy. Uh <laughs> the micro machines and- were a cool touch. I agree. Yes, I agree. So we're, you're playing cards to move your car around the track. There are places where you don't want to go too fast, because which I actually thought helped make this game more strategic, um, that there are limits on the curves, and you can't cross that curve at a higher speed than that, or you take heat from your engine, and heat is too much heat is bad. Um, and so you're constantly working to get the heat out of your hand. Um, there are time, there's a little bit push your luck element, which Jason just obviously loved um, with cards that were, I forget what they were called. Stress. Stress cards. Um, uh, but yeah, it was fine. I, I personally don't like racing games. Again, I mentioned I do like games about cars as a theme, uh, but it was still fun. Like you, you need to get into it and you're like, oh, I'll push your luck and stuff. Like it is fun. I would play it again. I would not seek it out. I would not buy it myself. But if you like are really into racing games, yes, this is a good one. I would say this one is much better than Thunder Road if you had to choose between racing games. Oh, I agree. There's definitely decisions to be had in this one. Um, yeah, I... I kind of thought it was it was going to be more to it. Honestly, I I liked it. I thought the race was fun. Like we were having a good time racing. And it was you know it came down to a really cool ending and it was fun. But the corners, the way you have to go around the corners by downshifting and all that stuff, that's the most interesting part. Then you're going to get into this straightaway where you're just playing cards and it's not really that interesting. If you get a big number of cards, you're going to probably win because you have big number of cards. Um. I would have liked to have some more cards go into the deck, make it a little more interesting. I would have liked the stress cards to be a little more interesting. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I, it had the card play was cool. I just wanted more from it. I think that was my issue. It felt like everybody's talking about this game. It's all the rage. And then I just felt like 
I don't know. I felt like it was missing something, but that's just me. I had a good time playing it. I would play it again, but yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat as you. I don't need to own it and it's fine. Yeah, I think um, I would like to turn it into a deck builder where other things come into your hand, um, like hazards or other different boosts or, you know, just interesting things. But again, you're just driving around track, so that doesn't really make sense. But like a pit stop or something, you know, like I just wanted a little bit of something else. But it still still was a good game. Yeah, because you could get those, like, at most two additional cards Mm-hmm. If you were the first or second person each lap. So, yeah. you know, you're only getting, and those are one time cards. So once you use them, they're gone. And like, they were really cool, but then they're gone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was fine. And I, yeah, I never, I got one of those cards, but I never got to use it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now, the next game that we're going to talk about was my favorite one, I think, that I played the whole weekend. I like this game quite a bit. And it is called QE. And it's from All Play, Board Game Tables, whatever they're called now. And this is a game about you're taking on the role of a country and you are trying to stimulate your economy through quantitative easing, printing money. Um, and But the interesting thing about this is everything's done through an auction. And when you're bidding, you can bid any amount that you want, unlimited. You have unlimited resources. You own the Fed. You can do whatever you want. The rub here is if you spend too much money and you you're you lose automatically. If you spend the most money through the end of the game, you are out. You've made your country go bankrupt. Everything you did in the, in the game was for nothing. Good job. You're terrible. Um, so you're trying to balance bids according to information that you know, which is not a lot, to end up scoring some points but also not spend the most money. So it's a nice little balance of, you know, I really need this good because it's going to give me 16 points, but I've also spent $200,000 on this last bid. I should probably stop bidding a lot of money because I don't know what everybody else's bid. And it's just so good. It's fast. It's fun. It's silly. Um, Mike had the cool, you know, tool checks, which I don't think are in the, the base game, but they had fantastic art, really unnecessary, but they look cool. Um, and it was, it was just a good time. Dry race, silliness. I bid half a billion dollars. I lost, uh, I had a ton of points, but my country went bankrupt. So there is that. So QE is fantastic. I can't wait to get a copy of this. And I love this game. Yeah, it was really fun. It is definitely one that I think we could get to the table easily. Um, I thought I was bidding a lot. Jason kept making weird faces at me when he was in charge of the auction. Like, oh my gosh, this is so much money. And I'm like, it's called bluffing. Whatever. You don't know how to bluff. Um, And so like when I set the auction, I'm like, well, I'm going to set it kind of high so that people will. I again had the wrong idea that I need to set it high so people will have to bid over it. But you don't like that's I don't know why I couldn't understand that. Um. But I ended up spending, like Tim was saying, that most often the person that um, bids the second least amount of money is the one that, usually, that wins every time. And I bid the, or the second most amount of money, not the most, because you lose. Yeah, you I lose. bid the second least, and I won. But again, I had only had 30 points, and Jason had 59, because he spent an outrageous amount of money. <laughs> Half a billion dollars. 
I feel like I was spending a lot, but I only spent like four million or something. Um, but it's really funny because there's this mystery, like what are people bidding? Like how did they win that bid? I thought I bid a lot. You're just writing all kinds of crazy numbers. We were adding change. That I don't think you're supposed to do. <laughs> no, yeah, you shouldn't do that. Um, but yeah, the Eno Tool art checks were really cool. I would be sad to get it version without that actually you can buy them they're like six bucks i think or something like that oh okay totally worth it um especially when you think that cn while it's supposed to stand for china and there's a dragon on the back (laughs) you keep calling it canada so it's a maple syrup breathing dragon that says a and like see tim hortons i don't understand it it's weird i don't know mike kept calling it that's we kept making fun of him (laughs) the canadian dragons yeah i know but it was a real it was a really fun game um because again, like yes, I love deep, uh, heavy games for sure. Because we we played Trickerian. We didn't play it this weekend. We were supposed to. No, we played. I, tri- I, we learned it so we could teach it. Yeah. We played Trickerian in preparation for this weekend, um, and I'm like, oh yeah, lots of stuff happening. Like I like thinking through those details, but I also like a a good small game um, that can really get you into it, and that's what QE was for sure. Another game that I was skeptical about at first, because I was skeptical about QE, because I'm like, ew, numbers, yuck, um, was Decrypto. Now, I wanted to play Decrypto for forever, but Jason has been on like a anti-Decrypto kick because he's mad at the Brothers Murph because he feels like they're complete shills, which they are. Um, but they were like really into this game and loved it and talked about it all the time. And he's like, can't be that good. All that stuff's still true, except for the can't be that good part. I've come around. It, it reminded me of like when I was a kid in the closet at my grandma's house, there was this game called Password that was my mom's that looked a lot like this where it had like the red film and you would stick these cards down that had all the squiggliness on it. But when they came behind the red film, you could see what was on it. It reminded me of that. So Decrypto, like Mike explained it and I was like, what? Like I got it, but I don't understand how this is a game. And then we played it. And I'm like, oh, so my friend, one of my friends from college, Erin, happened to come over. Um, so it was really nice to see her. And she played games with us. And so she and I, Mike was like, oh, let's play guys versus girls. So it was a team of two girls versus a team of three dudes, Mike and Tim and Jason. Um, needless to say, I feel like we slaughtered them. <laughs> I mean, we were killing ourselves, too, by not getting our, our codes right. <laughs> That's not my fault. But it was I, kind I know, of a, bl- yeah. a bloodbath. If I do say so myself. Um, so into crypto, you have this set of four words and um, each word corresponds to a number. And so then there is these cards that have three numbers on them in whatever sequence. And so you are trying to like, depending on how, who's on your team, I just had one person. I was trying to write clues to get my partner to guess um, the words in the right number sequence. I mean, they didn't really know the words. They just need to write the numbers down. And so then after that, your clues are given to the other team and they try to guess the number sequence as well because they're compiling the clues for different numbers over the rounds. So sometimes patterns will emerge that lets you link together these clues and you're like, oh, now I know what this is. And that helps you figure out their numbers because if you figure out their series of numbers twice in a game, you win. Um, and then also like at the end for fun, we tried to guess what the, the, the words were that we had, the four words that we had. No, we didn't try to guess those. You tried to guess. We were terrible. We couldn't even guess our own words. 
We were looking at our words and didn't know what they were. <laughs> to be fair, one time Jason basically said one of his words, one of their words out loud on accident. Yeah, I, I, did, I like, didn't oh know. Oh my gosh, I didn't. Know. I didn't. You didn't know it was supposed to be secret when it was like turned against us, and well, so we couldn't see it facing you. Well, I didn't know that. I should have known, okay, but I didn't, okay. <laughs> it, it was, uh, yeah, it was fun, and I would love to play it with you know actual competition at some point, um, to see, <laughs> to see it in a more competitive light. It but was it late. Is, we were tired. I, I so was I. It was late. We were tired. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, two English majors versus the three of you was probably not a fair fight anyway. Yeah, you're right. It's like, uh, yeah. But Tim has like this breadth of like all kinds of pop culture knowledge. So until he tapping, didn't, until I gave him a until, great clue and he failed. That clue no one in their right mind would get. Tim should have. You should have written Babe. It would have been so much better. No, because you would have known that. I was trying to be obscure. Not if not if the first clue is Arnold and the second one is Babe. I'm not going to know that. That's pointing directly to a pig. No, it's not. I'd be like, I don't even know what Arnold has to do with the pig to begin with. So Decrypto is good. It is good. I, I do like it. I like the deduction piece of the words. Yes. Man, when he was explaining that, I was like, what in the heck? <laughs> Me too. I'm like, what do you mean? What are we doing? And then I'm like, oh, I see, I see, yeah. I see. Like, I understood the code, trying to guess the code. I get that. That's <laughs> fine. But then the other part of, you know, you're going to give us our numbers, or your words and your number, and we're going to write it on this board. Why? And then the second round, I was like, oh, I get it. There's patterns here. <laughs> <I see. laughs> the files are in the computer. But until you see that second round, it makes no sense. You don't understand why you're writing down that word, those those three words. And then the second round, you're like, oh, okay. So you said car, you know, these two words were both number one. So clearly both of these have to do with the same word. Kind of piece it together. Yeah, it, it's really interesting. Yeah, I just couldn't figure out the mechanics of it based like based on what I knew about the game and then what he was telling me in the instructions. So I guess it's really good when I go into a game and I don't know anything about it because I don't let all my preconceived ideas mess with me learning the game because that just causes confusion for me. But this definitely is one I would like to have in our collection because I think it it was it's a really fun word game, fun party game. I I did like it. Yeah, this is a party game that I don't mind. It actually has a timer of when the game can end. Everybody's, you know, there's actually some strategy and some thinking to it. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm okay with this one. All right. So those are uh, the games we played this past weekend. A lot of games, a lot of new stuff to us. Um, probably not new to you because apparently I'm behind in all the games. So if we talked about anything that you love or that you hate or that you want to add to your list, please tell us on all our socials. We love to hear from you guys. Um, and again, like we met up with the Board Game Rundown guys, like we love to connect with you. Um, we have made some really good friends through the Riveted and we so appreciate having great people to talk about good games with uh, because y'all are awesome. Yeah, I agree with everything Katie just said. I don't have anything to add, uh, which should be no surprise. So I won't add anything. There we go. Done. Yeah, I'm trying. I feel like I'm rushing the ending, but I am so tired. I cannot hardly keep myself from yawning or closing my eyes. Yeah, I heard so, that one. I heard that one yawning there earlier. I know. I'm so sorry. I couldn't stop stop myself. So, in the interest of time and for my bedtime, uh, I will say that I'm Katie. 
And I'm Jason. Keep gaming, everybody. Keep gaming.